LMDC has had eight people uh, who have died in custody since last November. You know, when you look at some nearby cities like Nashville and Indianapolis, it's about three times sort of what they've seen. You obviously weren't in charge here um, during those deaths, but what can you do now at this point to ensure that those stop and, and the community stops seeing that headline every month or two months? Yeah, and I knew it was going to be a challenge coming back, but the advantage I had was um, knowing this this agency and um, some of the things that we could we could do different um, in modern corrections, um, adding more programming, bringing in a psychologist, um, you know, changing the physical plan. Um, the physical plan is very challenging. So we're adding more suicide prevention cells, you know, locking down the drugs coming. All these, all these wellness goes hand in hand, um, locking down the facility, um, adding security upgrades to keep the, keep the drugs out of the facility, um, you know, getting, again, saying, getting more programming um, and activities for the folks that are incarcerated. And also, you know, focusing on officer wellness also. Um, I think that in generally in the profession has gone, not been dealt with universally um, on officer wellness. So we really wanted to focus on inmate wellness and officer wellness, and then from the outside, really immediately change some of the some of the security um, problems that that were at LMDC. Adding intelligence officers, adding you know canine unit, um, locking down some of the the ways that that it gets in, taking commissary offsite. Um, just there was there's a million things that you know we we could do immediately and, and you know that's what we're trying to do it's a, it's a lot of work it's a challenge um, but staff has been great and they've been you know they've been up to the challenge and we'll continue to do that so you've been in this position now for for about three months so obviously you're you're relatively new but are any of those uh things already in the works yes we actually uh new scanner goes online monday um what do you mean by new scanner new, uh, body scanner we had added additional body scanner between the um, main jail and the hall of justice to increased security there we've um we've locked down food slots we've um currently adding plexiglass to the hall of justice where there were bars to reduce suicide prevention um, as we speak we're installing suicide prevention beds in the mental health walk um, adding seven of those again my, my goal is kind of to have by the end of the year to have 350 to 400 inmates involved in programming which just makes for a safer um, environment for them makes for better re-entry into the community um, it makes a safer environment for our officers. A lot of the things that you just kind of highlighted there are really aimed at preventing drugs from getting into the jail, preventing overdoses outside of the in-custody deaths. There was a, a mass overdose event, I believe, last year. I mean, why do you think that the drugs have become such a big problem, and how do you try to prevent that? Yeah, and I won't go into all the security details sure, um, sure. on doing that, but there's a multitude of ways. You know, the reason for digital mail is because that was a huge way of um, getting drugs into facilities. So, you know, and I, I'm glad, really glad you asked that question because one of the things the community has to know, and, and you see it in the community, is synthetic, synthetic opioids, um, fentanyl, it's very small amount can kill someone. And it's very hard to detect if someone... Um, has it in a baggie and swallows it. The body body scanners are very good, but the such a small amount that can kill someone um, becomes very dangerous. You know, just like you know the 14% increase of um, OD deaths across the state. You know, and everything that happens in your community is magnified in a jail setting. 
And you had had talked about uh, corrections officers and the need to kind of address their well-being and their health. One of the things that the community heard last year uh, at a press conference or or a community meeting with corrections officers was there were some concerns about uh, some issues of understaffing. There were concerns about, um, you know, equipment and facilities upgrades that were needed. What can you do to to kind of address some of those personnel and, and infrastructure issues? Yeah, and I like to thank the mayor and and council for approving our budget. We we added three point seven million dollars for that infrastructure upgrade. And as far as you know, officer wellness, we've already stood up our peer support team, um, headed by um, Dr. Lederman, and that is just being utilized. You know, morale is up. We got our biggest recruiting numbers um, in years coming. We had we started a retiree program to bring some retirees back for a transport team because we average about six clinics a day that we have to take out. That pushes the, them officers back inside. Um, we're about to start currently um, um, a ladder program for for folks that can come over and have a shorter academy um, and come in at the pay rate of their years of experience, um, which is a huge deal. Um, we, and we should have our, our numbers I'm hoping by the end of the year that we'll be um, the best numbers we've had in five years, and I'm completely confident in that. And there was a, a point last, I believe, September, where there was a weekend that, that kind of got publicized quite a bit. Metro Council really um, harped on it when uh, former Director Clark uh, came before Metro Council, where there was just a handful of officers who were assigned to, to work um, that, that weekend. There were folks who were on their third shift. Is that something that you're hoping we're not going to see again? I'm hoping our problem is that we get grievances on officers not being able to get overtime. <laughs> um, right now, you know, the, the officers work doubles two times a week. So um, outside of that, you got to have numbers to run a jail. Um, and it, we're doing a lot better, and, and folks are pitching in. And, again, our recruiting is up. we got $8,000 signing bonus, $3,000 moving bonus if you're moving from out of the area. Um, and it's, it's really helped, and we've really tried to get every, all the great things that these folks are doing out in the public. You know, we, we welcome folks in. We want to publicize what our staff's doing. They do an amazing job every day. They're police officers. They're firefighters. They're EMTs. They're social workers. And, you know, that's a tough job, and that job takes a toll. And it, and it needs to be, you know, they need to be recognized for what they do. And at the, the start of the series of, of in-custody deaths that began last year, a number of community stakeholders came together. They were pushing for reforms. Mainly what they said was they wanted to see less people who were uh, picked up for drug offenses or nonviolent offenses actually in the jail, and they wanted uh, to see better mental health and medical resources. What do you think of those uh, demands that came from, from some community groups and stakeholders at that time? Well, just so the public knows, I invited all those folks in when I first got here, and we now have a quarterly meeting. And I agree that we need to have folks that are in jail that we are scared of. We don't need to have folks in jail that we're mad at. Um, so, yes, there needs to be um, better diversion programs in the community. Um, my, my message is not going to change on that. Folks in here on $500 bonds, that's to the court's credit. Um, the prosecutors and, and defendants, we've really been taking care of that. I've welcomed in the bail project. I have an officer signed to take them around. They've increased their numbers on, on getting folks out. Um, we've worked on the mental health evaluations that keep people in jail. What we're doing five times as many now here on site with KCPC. Um, so all those things are working to our advantage, but we can still do better. We, we showed it during COVID. Literally the whole um, justice system showed that we can get those numbers down. I think our numbers were down to uh, 1,100 during that. You know, if we can do it then, that would be a positive lesson learned during COVID, that there is a way to do it. 
And during the pandemic, programming inside the jail and these uh, reentry preparation programs for, for people who are incarcerated here it kind of disappeared during the pandemic. I know there's some competing ideas in, in the corrections industry about rehabilitation versus, you know, the need for, for security and whatnot. I mean, where do you fall in, in your thinking on what the jail can do to really ensure that people are prepared to reenter the community and, and not just end up right back here? What we can do here is have wraparound service to address needs of addiction, to address needs of houselessness, to address needs of mental health, and then have that continuity of care as it goes in the community. And what that does is help the community. Most folks in jail are not staying for a long time. They're going back in our community in Louisville. So it's, jail's an intersection where, where, where a lot of folks, that's their first ability to get help um, or know how to get help. So not only having those resources here, but providing the resources in the community when they get out um, is makes for a healthier community. Director Collins, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. I know you're uh, slightly new on the job here. I want to thank you and, and thank everybody that's listening. Thank you very much.